Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, met fellow adventurers, time to continue reading the law book. Last time it was Blightwoot, now on to Blood Grub. The pale grey Blood Grub, with its massive set of long black pincers, is a truly revolting sight. This fearsome pet predator, normally the size of a small dog, moves much more swiftly than its bulking, weaving torso might otherwise suggest. Blood grubs use their pincers to seize their prey, which is any living thing within striking distance, then proceed to attach their wound mouths to their victim's flesh and suck out its blood. Blood grubs can be found in many environments, including forests, swamps, lakes, rivers and caves. Who they can be encountered alone, there are tales abound adventurers who have unwittingly stumbled into the nest of these deadly, ferocious creatures. A blood grub nest may sometimes include a silgarab, a female blood grub. Silgarabs are typically twice the size of an ordinary blood grub, which makes an encounter with one a rather frightening proposition. Okay, blood thief. These large, black, flying, wasp-like insects, a third the size of a human, are aggressive and deadly predators. Blood thieves seek to suck the blood of their foes, after injecting them with paralyzing venom capable of immobilizing man-sized prey. Now and again, horrific tales involving massive swarms of these vile creatures are heard. For only those fortunate enough to witness such a fearsome spectacle can truly appreciate the sheer terror such an encounter inspires. Blue Bowline The Blue Bowline, a barge owned and operated by the League of Merchants based in Mixpool, was nearly just dis- was destroyed by fire while moored at the Witherbox in Twithig nearly a decade ago. The mysterious Suspicious 
late night inferno that engulfed the barges, long believed to have been the work of rival merchants based in Twithick, who sought to undermine the commercial efforts of their rivals. Two dozen occupants of the barge, both passengers and crew, died in the blaze, trapped below deck with no way to escape. The Wither Guild was tasked with investigating the fire, but failed to conclusively determine its origin. To this day, the Blue Bowline remains a sore subject for many who engage in commerce along the Wither Twind, and is sure to intensify the sometimes vicious rivalries between the merchant factions in Twithick and Migsprawl. Blue Moss Prized by many healers and alchemists for its supposed restorative qualities, Blue Moss is somewhat commonly found throughout the North Broadlands. The moss grows in dense, soft patches, usually on damp stone, and spreads quite quickly. Blue Sawthin Though not nearly as large as its sea-dwelling relative, the Wed Sawthin, the blue sawfin can still reach a length of nearly three feet, though the blue sawfin poses no particular threat to anything save the smaller fish it preys upon with its razor-sharp teeth. It's not unheard of for a large school of these ferocious predators to attack other living creatures they come across in the water. The blue and white fish gets its name from the broad, spiny fin, spans almost the entire length of its back. The blue sawfin is a meaty fish that is prized for both its flesh and its abundant oil. Alright, blue saw. Bog giant. These mossy humanoid benemoths are normally found around stagnant, fetid bodies of water. They certainly aren't the overly friendly sort. Bogwin. Bogwin also known as both swamp goblins and mire claws, are grey-skinned goblins known to inhabit marshes, swamps, bogs and the like. These crafty, diminutive humanoids are less intelligent than many other species of goblin dumb, but they lack in intellect they more than make up for in cruelty and savagery. Bogwin will often be found living in fortified settlements deep within swamps, they also take up residence in and around abandoned slash ruined structures. A small number of Bogwin are born with wings. These creatures, though more fierce and agile than their wingless brethren, possess only animal intelligence. The winged brethren often live on the outskirts of Bogwin settlements and usually thought of merely as beasts by their kin. Eh, I don't know what it feels like. When one of them is your son or daughter. Hmm. Must be tough. Borgrim are master hunters. Foragers, fishers and swimmers. It should be noted that Borgrim is both the singular and plural form of the name. Alright. Next one. Boltsling. The Boltsling so sometimes called a bolt slinger, is a quasi-mechanical device constructed out of wood and iron that somewhat resembles a crossbow. This item is a devastating weapon 
that fire sharpened metal bolts at extreme velocities, which are capable of killing outright anything they hit. A series of gears wound by a cord and controlled by a release lever give the bolt sling its awesome power. Bolt slings have been almost universally outlawed throughout the North Broadlands. Bomb sling. These towers of timber and iron serve as devastating war engines, which were employed by the craftier breeds of goblins. The structure can consists of, long, of a long wooden arm seated atop a four-walled tower that sits atop a wheeled base. The device functions much like a trebuchet, and is, and, and is used to hail goblin bombs a great distance. Bone Bladesmen These undead warriors were once highly skilled warriors when they walked amongst the living. Bone Circle Well, we've encountered one of those, and it made a whole load of things go wrong. A bone circle is precisely what it sounds like. A circle of bone laid out on the ground or floor, or not enough itself sinister. When in the employ of a master necromancer, a bone circle becomes a tool by which the mage can summon a massive legion of undead. The bones that make up a bone circle can be any type of bone, animal or human. Human bones, particularly human skulls, are most prized by those who would endeavour to build such a circle. Bone Jaw Clan. We've fought them a few times, but we haven't killed. We've I've managed to not kill very many of them at all. Named for their fearsome masks of bone that cover much of their faces, particularly the lower portions. This ancient clan of cave goblins dwell in an extensive network of caves, hidden somewhere in the tangled forest ravine known as Shadow Glen. It has long been believed that the Bone Jaw clan guards the towering stone monomyth that rises up out of the forest at the northern end of Shadow Glen. Many believe the monomyth serves as a portal to a place of great importance to the goblins, perhaps even the Hall of Ruin, and they're right. Over the centuries, several attempts to locate and invade the hidden lairs of the Goat Bone Jaw clan have been made, all have ended in favour. Only the bravest adventurers now bear, dare to venture into Shadow Glen. Brig Longeye, I think we've encountered him. The legend of Brig Longeye is the subject of much debate in the alehouses and paleodens throughout Tysa. Once one of the wealthiest men in the entire kingdom, he disappeared in a blizzard over three centuries ago while en route to Talonus from Port Halleck. Many believe that his restless spirit still wanders the countryside between two between the two cities. Britzquin Gang. Yep, we fought them. Britzquin Gang. Named after the street in Triffic, the Britzquin Gang was a band of rogues that earned a reputation, not only for their brazen acts of thievery, but also for the savage brutality they often employed. 
led by a Fidanese master thief named Cotholo. Cotholo? The gang earned a fearsome reputation and managed to evade capture for more than a decade. Finally, in a standoff with the city guard, Cotolo and a good number of his men were burned to death when the tavern in which they were holed up was set aflame. For the two hundred years since their demise, it had been said that the spectre of Cotolo and those of his minions still haunt the city, seeking revenge on those who brought their wain of plundering to the end. Well, that's kind of difficult, because they're all dead. But I guess you're going after their descendants, and, and anyone who happens to be handy. You know what happens when you've been doing revenge for so long, you kind of forgot who you're revenging against. The Frogmen is next. Here it comes. Frogmen is a moniker given to the members of the mercenary force that has guarded Dragonwath and its silver mine for nearly the last century. These skilled warriors, many of whom had been soldiers during the Great Goblin Wars on Tysus Eastern Frank, were summoned by Brogmath Rumbrak, once he had been declared Dragonwath's protector, to replace the town's militia. He saw abruptly disbanding. Yeah, I understand doing that. Militias are usually a bit rubbish. And they tend, and in some cases, they just run off and do crazy stuff. Clad in a mix of chain and leather, over which they wore black tunics bearing the ancient family crest of the Thumbrecks, a bear's head crowned by the rays of the setting sun. The townsfolk, many of whom disliked Bogmas authoritative ways, came to call the mercenaries Brogmen. The monarch is still in use to this day. The Brogmen, under the direct authority of Dragonwast Protector, Currently, Lorik Thumbrek seek out, recruit, and train new members for their ranks from places both near and far. While some of Dragonwast populace feel the tactics employed by the Brogmen are somewhat heavy-handed, there are just as many who enjoy and appreciate the safety and peace of mind their presence has brought to the remote mining town. Alright, Bringar. Boingar, already an accomplished adventurer, a renowned woodsman and an accomplished thief. In his middle years, the legendary Boingar turned his attention to the dark craft of necromancy and readily mastered its sinister, magical discipline. Boingar is known to have possessed the Sword of Blessed Light, a powerful weapon forged long ago in the fire brits of and once the very blade wielded by the renegade demon lord Kindrak. It's not known how Bindra came to possess the sword. As the legends have it, the sword that Bringar so prized began to take possession of him, and all his reason was replaced by malice. Soon after acquiring the blade, Bringar formed an army of mercenaries and conquered a small portion of northwest Tysa. He set himself up as king of this new territory and took his throne in the ancient ruins of a capital, the 
kingdom that Bringarga ruled would last less than a month. The Tyson army crushed the entirety of his forces in a single battle. A battle in which Bringar himself was slain. Little is known of the history of the Sword of Blessed Knight from that point onward. It's a belief that the weapon has passed into different hands over the years since Bungarar's death. It's also believed that evil and destruction has followed the sword into the hands of its possessors. Alright. Alright, Bungarar. And then, Bull and Thrushes. If you've come here because you saw mention of this particularly bulgar phrase somewhere in the game text, you are hereby offered a most sincere apology. Bull and thrushes is a particularly offensive phrase, often uttered absent-mindedly heat of the moment by those under intense duress, no one with a clear head, or any sort of decent, respectable upweaving, will consider using this phrase regardless of the dire circumstance that might see, seem to make its vocalisation temporarily appropriate or excusable. The precise meaning of the, meaning of the, of the phrase, while widely known, should not, will not be given here. Suffice it to say that this phrase should not be used in any context, ever. In fact, it would be wise for you, it would be for the best, if you just forget that you ever heard it. Alright. So Swift has its own curses. Boyanarch's sheep. This hardy breed of broadland sheep, famous for their ability to thrive in both cold and temperate clim- climates, are highly valued for the quality of their wool. Burning Bladesmen. These cruel, ghastly swordsmen are found throughout many Neverworld realms, who they make their home home in the fiery realm of Tarkrith, where they serve their lord and master, Emberoth the Slayer. And that's okay. On to Letter C, Captain Wexigor Malark. That's someone we're quite acquainted with. Wexagor Malamark is a Tyson army captain whose name has become synonymous with a horrendous incident at the foothills of the Thorindian Range some years ago, when nearly an entire regiment of soldiers under his command were ambushed and slaughtered by a large band of forest trolls. To believed and reported, though never proven, that Mil- Miliwag was inebriated unfit to command in the hours leading up to the fateful ambush. It was also reported, but again never proven, that he stayed out of combat, too drunk to wield his own sword, while his men were brutally torn down by their savage assailants. Prior to this incident, Captain Millark enjoyed a distinguished career in the Tyson army, where he led several successful campaigns against goblins and trolls in the wilds of the kingdom. Rumours concerning his incessant and excessive imbibing have never been adequately substantiated. Since the incident in the footfalls, now almost a decade ago, Captain Millark has been relegated to overseeing only minor tasks, many of which which seem beneath his station. He's currently in charge of overseeing the monthly transport of ore from the village of Silverwisp 
to the city of Twindmore. Alright, Carnage Crawler. And we've seen a lot of those, particularly recently. These massive, many-legged insects prowl caves and other dark, out-of-the-way places in search of dead and decaying flesh on which to feast. Their circular mounds are winged with razor-sharp teeth. Kalinasuf, the Grey Mage. We just met in the last episode. Kalinasuf is the name currently attributed to the Grey Mage. The powerful and inf- the most powerful and influential of swift sorcerers, sorcerers, and supreme leader of the Grey Circle of Mages. It's believed that Kalinar Suf, a woman whose origin and history are not known, and who has only ever been seen by the closest members of her inner circle a handful of times over the last few centuries, is nearly 500 years old. Little else is known about her. Cavaclaw. Cavaclaws are small humanoids, about two-thirds the size of the average human, that are closely related to goblins. They are thick, leathery skin like goblins, which is almost always a deep shade of green. These vile creatures are almost certainly the product of some dark sorcery many ages ago. The name is derived from the long, sharp, stone-hard claws that protrude from each of their thumbs. These two claws serve as effective natural weapons that all claws are adept at using. Clavacores are not known to seek out confrontation with humans, as some other goblin species do, but instead prefer to hide themselves away in some dark, remote place where they can be left to their own affairs. When they feel their domain has been violated, however, they become savage and deadly enemies. Note, it should be noted, however, that in some instances, Clavacores will be found in the employ of a powerful personal creature, usually someone or something they fear, and in such cases, it will fiercely defend their master. Alright, Castle Bailwan. Well, we've been there a few times. This imposing wooden fortress, located within the borders of, of Bog, of Fogborough Forest is the ancient home of the Beowards, an ancient line of powerful mages who long served as the stewards of the cursed wood. The castle was abandoned nearly 200 years ago, following the death of Umbrock Beowood and the subsequent fight of his only son, Umbdoel. When the castle was occupied, four magical beacons burned in each of its four corner towers. The beacons were said to have the power to ward off the creeping curse that has long plagued Fogbor, and protect the abode of the stewards as they waged their incessant battle against the growing evil in the wood. Yeah, alright, Catamarock. We've seen a lot of those. These wicked humanoids, found in several of the deeper realms of the Neverness, have the head, hands, feet and tail of a cat. The catamarock are nimble, clever and cool, and do not tolerate other species except as slaves, 
Catamoraca immune to the effects of nearly all non-magical fire, and they have the ability to ignite themselves at will, making themselves both fearsome and dangerous in the eyes of any would-be foe. Master Catamoraca warriors are said to have nine lives, and are believed to grow in power with each of their new incarnations. Fortunately, I haven't met many of those Master Catamarque Warriors. Because because if I had to fight all the ones I fought nine times, it would take a while. It's believed that these scheming and warlike cat beings control vast empires in several of the countless realms of the Neverness. Cave Goblin. Now we fought a ridiculous number of those. Cave goblins, like most other goblins, are a cruel, savage race of demi-humans who thrive upon deceit, murder, and chaos. Cave goblins are somewhat akin to shade goblins, for they are larger and stronger. As their name suggests, they prefer to dwell in large caves and will fiercely defend their lairs against any and all threats. Do they prefer the dark? Unlike their sage goblin, shade goblin kid, these foul creatures are not completely adverse to the light of the sun. This generally makes them a wider ranging and bolder enemy. The majority of cave goblins live in sizable clans, through the larger and stronger the breed often choose to strike out on their own, seeking out a solitary and cruel existence in some dark corner of the world. These malevolent creatures share with all Goblin Doom a deep hatred for humanity and all that it represents. Caves of Mowermark The fabled Caves of Mowermark, tucked away within the tangled heart of Bellsong Slough, remain a place surrounded in mystery, its origin and history steeped in legend. As told in countless tales, Maramog was once home to a race of beings formed out of living stone, known as Wailunawak. These malevolent beings kept watch over the caves and its many hidden secrets. According to the legend, the great catacly- a great cataclysm befell the Wailunawak, and the guardians of Maramog slipped back into the shadowy recesses, of the great caves and vanished. For a thousand years the caves were lost, all but forgotten. Then, nearly two centuries ago, Maurog was rediscovered by a band of intrepid explorers from Trithic. These four brave souls plunged into Bellsong Slough and found the mouth of the legendary cave. The adventurers, led by the sorceress named Kelisar, made several expeditions into the caves, recording their findings and progress in a series of journals. Deep inside the cat taverns, they encountered an area where the damp air of Maramog turned poisonous. After losing several members of their party to the deadly atmosphere, Kelisar and, his, and her companions abandoned the exploration of the caves. Since Kelisar's expedition into Maramog, Many adventurers have attempted to follow the path laid out by the sorceress and her band of explorers. So far, 
none have been able to figure a way past the toxic breath that rises out of the murky depths of the caves, though numerous indeed are those who perished in the attempt. Alright, next up is Chana. Chana is, is Tysa's second largest seaport. This bustling town sends a great deal of commerce south along the Wither Twin to the ports of Migspur and Twithick and beyond. Once a haven for pirates and smugglers in the past, Chana has cleaned itself up and restored much of its reputation. Thane Montroll, one of Tysa's five thanes, hails from Chana and he is responsible for chasing much of the lawlessness out of the port city. And I was a substantial amount of help in doing that back in Proving Grounds number two, Chotorak. Chotorak. These large, docile, winged reptiles are commonly mistaken for dragons, so the shape of their wings will usually give them away, unlike, dra- unlike dragons. Chotorik do not possess a breath weapon and are easily trainable as mounts. Though where in the northern reaches of Swift reaches of Swift, Chotoriks are quite common in the far south. Yeah. Circle of Warding. Circles of Warding, typically composed of either nine or eleven roughly mar- roughly square stones, have been used for ages to protect people and places from evil spirits and dark magic. The stones that make up these arcane circles are usually engraved with one or more symbols of warding that supposedly contain the magic that serves to create the circle's aura of protection. While powerful sorcerers are indeed capable of creating functional circles of warding, it's believed that most of the circles have either never been enchanted, or have long since lost any protective powers they once possessed. Many remote towns and villages across the North Broadlands still employ circles of wardings. Alright, city-state of Cardson. Yes, we went there and it was... or, or maybe we didn't. It's, uh, it's complicated. And it was a rough time. The powerful and remote city-state of Carson, situated on, at the edge of the ancient wood of Mirathoral, has since its founding nearly a thousand years ago ruled the forests and plains south of Mount Mirtar with unmatched and fearsome military might. Though by no means a warlike state, Carson has always maintained one of the most powerful armies in all of Northern Swift. At its outset, Carson was governed by the Council of Five, elected by its citizenry. The council was headed by a sick figure, appointed by the councillors themselves, known as the Sentry. The Sentry ultimately supported or rejected the governance provided by the council, but could not impose governance upon upon the people of Carson. All authority originated from the five-member assembly. For over a thousand years following its founding, Cardson thrived 
unto the governance of its elected council and the wisdom of its appointed centuries. Nearly two centuries ago, however, war erupted within the city-state. Corruption within the Council of Five sparked the bitter two-year civil war, which ended with the dissolution of the body and the death of its current century. The ashes of war there arose a mysterious and powerful figure, known only as the Grand Century. The Grand Century quickly assumed an authoritative role and sought retribution against those responsible for the corruption. And any who dared question his claim to be the supreme ruler of the city-state was obvious to all that Carson's new ruler was a powerful sorcerer, and indeed many have called him the Sorcerer Lord. For almost two hundred years, the masked figure known as the Grand Century has ruled Carson as the memory of the Council of Five and the city-state's lawly erected citizens faded into history. During the reign of the Grand Century, which continues to this day, Cardson still maintained one of the most formidable militaries in all the North Broadlands. The Grand Century's role as the city-state's supreme leader has not gone on challenge, however. A group of dissidents who decry the Grand Century's right to war Cardson and who seek to reinstate the Council of Five and an elected century have long stood in opposition to the Sorcerer Lord. This group has come to be known as the Wabble, another group who are fiercely loyal to the Grand Century, but who have long done battle with the Wabble and their supporters have become known as the Woust Men. In recent months, the Wabble, led by a new and mysterious figure, become more bold in their opposition and have began launching attacks against the Grand Century's forces and interests within the walls of Cardson and beyond. Alright, Cloud Breath Snake. These, ve- these aggressive, venomous and trainable grey-scaled snakes bear unique and alarming ability to spray their deadly poison at the victims in the in the form of a rapidly expanding cloud of fine mist. The effect of the cloud breath is slow acting, but its effects are deliberating, devastating, and exposure to the toxin ultimately results in agonizing death. Because they are trainable, these snakes have from time to time been used as assassins. These snakes are more commonly found in the southern reaches of Swift. So if one's all the way up here, there is something quite sinister going on, as there was when we encountered them. Cloud Lurker The ancient dust dragon known as Cloud Lurker once terrorised near the entirety of the North Broadlands. The great dragon lord, who is said to have been half again as large as the largest of his kin, would soar across the sky, seeking to raise and plunder the strongholds of humankind, which he is said to have considered a blight upon the world. 
while circling high above an intended target of its fearsome wrath. Cloud Lurker would drop an ancient enchanted warhammer, so signifying to those below his intent to attack. His hammer, rumoured to have been acquired by Talix, has come to be known as Car Cloud Lurker's Harbinger. The dropping of the Great Hammer would sometimes occur days or even weeks before the actual attack took place. After the target was destroyed, they were always destroyed, Cloud Lurker would retrieve the hammer. Cloud Lurker finally met his end on the talons of one of his savage brothers. A dusk dragon whose size and ferocity is said to have rivaled that of his more infamous sibling. It was Cloud Lurker himself who destroyed the city of Hopestone. Now the site of the Tyson Mounting Town, Dragonwrath, which we have been to. We haven't been to Hopestone because it's destroyed. Combat difficulty. The coloured boxes beneath an enemy's name represent the relative difficulty you're likely to have during the impending battle. Opponents rated green are the easiest to face. Opponents rated black are the most difficult. The different colours that represents an opponent's difficulty are green, easy, grey, somewhat challenging, blue, challenging, purple, you'll need some luck, yellow, more than you bargained for, red, uh-oh, and black, this doesn't look good. And now, go back. Cooperative battle scenarios. Cooperative battle scenarios are special combat events in which multiple adventures can work together in effort to defeat a large and powerful enemy. There are currently five cooperative battle scenarios available. The Wounds of Tamara, The Red Wolf of Saint Holt, Ulgarar the Tar Beast, Ulgarar's Lair, and... The Pumpkin Monster, and we fought all of them. Adventurers earn experience and can also earn battle markers for, partic- for participating in this scenar- these scenarios. The, pro- the cooperative battle scenarios are only available when, while the main enemy, boss, the heart of the scenario remains alive. Once the main enemy has been defeated, the scenario will not be of available until it resets. Cooperative battle scenarios usually reset within a few hours of having ended. Copper Hilt Lodge, where we've been. The Copper Hilt Lodge is location a long guarded secret. It's one of the oldest remaining guild halls affiliated with the Adventurer Collective. Hmm, that does imply that there are others which we may well end up visiting sometime in the very, very distant future, because there's no plans for one of them on the offing. But you never know, we might just come across one on another adventure. Maybe in Arkandar? I imagine there's going to be a lot of adventurers there, 
So maybe they should have some sort of organisation, you know, to make it so if you want adventurers, you go, ah, I'll just go there. If you know the location of the guild hall, be sure not to breathe a word of it to anyone. And that means you too, listeners. The Council of Thorns. The Council of Thorns is the oldest and perhaps most famous of the three knightly orders of the city of Salbden in Wyrsol. The two beliefs that govern this knightly order are justice and truth. Cragwolf. Few predators across the vast breadth of the North Broadlands are as feared and steeped in legend as the large, black and vicious Cragwolf. These savage creatures, nearly half, again as big as their smaller wolf brethren, are strong enough to bring down a horse and aggressive enough to prey on all but the very largest denizens of the wild. Over the past several centuries, the number of crag wolves that dwell the world in the North Broadlands has dwindled considerably, leaving many to believe the species was dying out. Recently, however, sightings of these fearsome predators have been on the rise. Alright, Cragbulf Moor, a wild, desolate moor that sits to the northeast of the eastern edge of the Hart Hills. We've probably been there. Crimson Wonder. Playomarth Western, better known by somewhat infamous moniker, the Crimson Wonder, is a legendary adventurer and swordsman healing from the city of Groutlock. While still a budding adventure, Palmoth acquired a magical wing and pendant from an older, retiring adventure. The benefits provided by this pair of remarkable items allowed him to embark on a life of adventure that brought him fame, glory and, reportedly, grand wealth. The faint crimson aura that surrounded him whenever he wore the wing is what led him to being called the Crimson Wonder. Few indeed are those places across the North Broadlands, devoid of tales about the Crimson Wonder and his heroic and sometimes fantastical exploits. Hmm, I don't recall seeing anything about him. Maybe we did. Crimson Helmed Wider. Now that is someone we have met. This legendary, some would say mythical figure, is said to be the worldly embodiment of the lo- of the long-departed warrior, Laurel Kier, who many legends place at the side of the ancient hero, hero Seer on many of his grandest adventures. It is said that the crimson-helmed wider wears a deep red helm that covers nearly all of his head and wides atop a fleshless armoured horse. Those who believe in the wider's legend say that he returns to the world of Swift now and again, seeking to find a great champion that will follow in the footsteps of Seer. And he found one. Recently, sightings of the strange red-helmed figure reported from nearly every corner of the kingdom. They always seem to occur in very desolate, remote locations. And none, as far as anyone has heard, 
have been substantiated. Crownland. Crownland refers to land that is reserved for the exclusive use of the king, or reserved by his authority for exclusive use by other entities. Curse Blade the Abhorrent. The savage, six-armed skeletal warrior known as Curseblade is among the most cruel of Woundskin's harbingers. It's believed that Curseblade rules over a dark, neverall realm of undead who are not engaged upon his master's bidding. The Cursed Wood of Durnsick Local legends say the woods surrounding the Tursin village of Durnsick particularly the stretch of forest dust, dust to the east, were long ago cursed by an evil warlock. Many strange sightings and occurrences over the years have been attributed to the curse. Okay, let's see. Yep, we've got time for more. Dilorloth, the Necromancer. Dilorloth, a shadowy maid whose life history become entwined among various legends, is said to have ruled the area of Northern Swift, now known as the Central Broadlands, many centuries ago. From high within the Dread Tower, Dorlalath is said to have commanded a powerful legion of the undead, who did battle with the armies of men, and secured for the evil mage. A reign that lasted over a century, Dilorloth's arch-enemy was the warrior Jast, whom he finally defeated at the Battle of Dread Tower. Many mages have sought the ruins of Dread Tower in the hills surrounding the city of Aspir, for they believe that Dilorloth's tower may have contained magical secrets unknown to present-day spellcasters. The remains of the tower have yet to be to be discovered and there is no, there is no link for battle of the dread tower that's why we haven't already read it dagger peak through not among the highest mountains in the Osborne range dagger peak peak crowned by a blade shaped pinnacle of rock which which it do, from which it derives its name, has long been a source of countless tales and legends. It's believed, though not recently confirmed, the mighty forest giant, Wonorak, still resides at the summit of Dagger Peak, from which he commands mount, the mountain's savage weather, deterring any who might dare trespass upon his frozen domain. Tallies, the legendary master adventurer, claims to have nearly obtained the summit of Dagger Peak for recounting and sequentially fleeing from a group of Iragal in a, in a high mountain pass. Well, we kind of went to Dagger Peak, but not really because it was an Oakenstone mask adventure. Death Barb Spiders. These giant, venomous, green and black spiders many of which grow to reach the size of a large dock, are named for the long barbed skinner, stinker that protrudes through the end of their tapered abdomens. 
The venom injected by the barbed stinger serves to incapacitate the spider's prey and can ultimately paralyse creatures man-sized or smaller. Once thought to have gone extinct, sightings of death-barbed spiders occurred with greater frequency over the last few years, all across the North Broadlands. Yeah, we've seen some of them. Devourer. Devourer is a name attributed to two distinct but equally unpleasant creatures an adventurer might encounter in the course of an adventure. The first type of adventure is a name given to a particularly savage breed of wolfkin that prowl the wintry Neville Well of Alkanamelech, seeking to devour the paleo-bred men who dwelt there. The second type is a large, black, slime-covered worm-like creature that dwells in dark, watery lairs where it feeds on all manner of biological material refuse. A devourer's cavernous, wing-shaped mouth, who devoid of any teeth, is capable of delivering a crushing bite to easily kill even very large prey. Rumours of devourers prowling the maze of sewers beneath the streets of Trithic have existed for more than a couple of centuries. Okay, and then Domu. Domu are an ancient race of tree beings, not commonly seen in Swift for many centuries. Those Domhumu who remain are sly, reclusive creatures who choose to avoid the world that is changing around them. Domus are exact replicas of large hardwoods, and with their eyes and mouth closed, it's impossible to tell them apart from other trees in the forest. Domus can move, very slowly, if needed, but they usually choose to set their roots into the ground and stay in place for many years. If angered or threatened, Domu will attack, but they will prefer to stay hidden and let trouble pass them by. If you can imagine a full-sized maple grappling with you, grappling with you, you might think it wise to leave Domus to themselves. So I guess they're like ants. But they actually look, they look, they're even more tree-ish. They don't try to look like dudes with, you know, arms and legs and things. But, you know, they're very old, very slow, very wise, and incredibly mighty, if roused. And that takes quite a lot. Domu and Dormok. Like their Dormu print, Dormok are an ancient race of tree beings not commonly seen in Swift. While, D- while Dormok, like their brethren, are occlusive by nature, they're wicked and cruel, despise humanity above all else. I mean, considering that, the in- that pretty much everything around here was forests before we turned up, And who knows how many millions upon millions of their kin. And I'm just talking sentient trees, not the regular trees. We start talking regular trees, you're talking billions. These trees, beings are very powerful. And normally encountered in groups. Domuk have been known to ally themselves with powerful creatures. 
such as griffins, dragons and giants. And they will often serve these masters by protecting their lair. Yep, seen quite a few of those. Alright, Dyer. Dyer is the name ascribed to a group of thieves and assassins that split from the infamous outlaw brotherhood known as the Night Whisperers. While it's commonly believed that the shadowy group's numbers are low, Dyer has nevertheless managed to wage a grim, brutal campaign of murder and assassination for nearly a decade. Dyer's activities frequently bring the group into direct conflict with the Night Whisperers. Even the Night Whisperers have found it difficult to combat the activities of the small, scattered group. Dyer's initial endeavours involve the murder of several high-ranking members of the Night Whisperers. The group then established small pockets of operation in all of Tyson's major towns and cities, and began to accept contracts and assignments from a variety of sources. In Trific, the group immediately found themselves the prime target, the primary target of Fane Porrin's campaign to rid the city of its long-entrenched, unsavoury elements. Having miscalculated both the Thane's resolve and his resources, Dyer found themselves outmatched against trained warriors, many of them mercenaries, who instructed to give no quarter. The suspected leader of Dyer, Roland Hunth, was captured by Thane Poland's forces as he attempted to flee Trithic. He was hanged the day after his capture. Many believed that this would shatter the group, but the members of the Dyer Stuart did at last swiftly countered attempting to assassinate Thane Porrent and several of his commanders. Bad move. The attempted assassinations proved disastrous. The seven assassins involved in the attempt were all captured and hanged before the gate of Twinned Keep. Following their defeat in Twifik, the surviving members of the Dyer are believed to have fled the city to rejoin with the remaining members of their small brotherhood in other parts of the city of the kingdom. Doomclaw, truly a terrifying sight. A Doomclaw is a bulky, humanoid creature with a broad black beak dominating most of its face. Large bulbous eyes protrude from either side of the sharp beak and are nearly invisible against the creature's thick, dark, grey hide. This Neville horror gets its name from the foot-long claw that extends from the outermost finger on each of its massive hands, which it employs to great effect in combat. Doors of Deception The Doors of Deception is a special battle special contest held from time to time in the battlegrounds on Iron Crown Island. The object of this contest is to attain the highest score among a field of competitors by opening the most safe doors in succession. At each stage of the, the event, a contestant will be presented with an array of doors from which she, he or she may select one to open. Some doors lead to the next stage, while others hide various dangers, some of them instantly deadly. 
Despite the perils and adventure can face during the contest, the powerful magic that governs the event sees to it that actual death does not occur. But of course, that doesn't mean you can't get hurt. In fact, you can get absolutely wrecked during that event. Now, unfortunately, none of those events have happened since the podcast has started. So we've not got one of these on record. But one will probably come round again. And when it does, it will be recorded. Dora Dwat. Dora Dwat is a small village on the southern edge of the Wyvering Wood in eastern Tulsa. Dragon Beetle. These grey-shelled beetles can roar as loud as a dragon. Unfortunately, they can also breathe fire. That's not particularly good. Dragon Gems. A dragon gem is the petrified eye of a dragon. When a dragon dies, the magic it possessed during its lifetime is said to manifest itself within the creature's eyes. Shortly after death, a dragon's eyes will naturally petrify, becoming nearly as dense and hard as diamonds, and shrinking to barely a quarter of the size they were during life. Because of the potent magic they contain, dragon gems have long been sought by enchanters and other mages. Dragon gems are often used to adorn and enchant both weapons and armour, and to enhance the effects of certain types of magic. Some dragons, notably sea dragons, are known to preserve, hoard, the dragon gems of their kin, which they use to enhance their own mastery of magic. And we've seen one of them, and we helped it reclaim its hoard. And it was a very good thing we did, and not just because we got 2480 at the end of it. Alright, dragon, dragon mere deep, the smalling swamp. Known for ages as Dragonmere Deep, is home to both wild beauty and unspeakable peril. Even the boldest of adventurers choose to avoid this treacherous bog. Dragonstones. What are dragonstones? Oh, right. Dragonstones. Hmm. Expanded info not available. What if I change it to dragon stones? Nope. Nope, nope. That, that just seems to be, it was put on the list. But it's not there. Hmm. Oh, well, that happens. Now, okay, last one, I think. Dragon Wrath. Perched upon a spot of high, rocky ground. At the edge of the forest. On the northeastern shoulder of Barrow Lock, Dragon Wrath is a thriving settlement with a particularly storied past. Dragon Wrath was built just to the south of the remains of Hopestone, a city destroyed over a thousand years ago by the malevolent dragon Cloud Lurker, who we just read about. The attack on Hopestone lasted three days, claims the lives of nearly half the city's populace, and raised every structure within its walls. For over 500 years, the wounds of Hopestone, 
and a wide swath of land surrounding the Wenements lay abandoned, when a silver mine was discovered near the ruins. Its valuable bounty led to the founding of a new settlement to the south of the shattered city. The new town, which came to be called Dragonwrath, was named after the infamous attack that destroyed Hopestone. Blackgate Mine, an ancient silver mine, long the source of Dragon West prosperity, is famous throughout the realms for its seemingly endless supply of the precious ore. Much of Dragonwrath has, over the last two generations, come under the tight control of the Thumbwreck family. While most of the town's citizenry seem content to allow the Thumbrecks to govern Dragonwrath, a growing number of folk have begun to outwardly resent the power wielded by the Thumbrecks. The current protector of Dragonwrath, Lorak Thumbreck, also known as Elder Thumbreck, is the great-grandson of Bogmarth. So I suggested Lorik is at the heart of the well-concealed underbelly that thrives out of sight in Dragonwrath. And that's enough for today. Next time, we'll just keep going down the list. We may be a quarter of the way down now. And we'll be the next episode the next entry will be Dreadmast. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurous. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.